Boy, isn't it beautiful out there? That is the sun shining, and I hope we see a lot more of it here in the spring and summer. I'm glad you're here tonight. We have been studying through becoming disciples. We've looked at, I think this is our fourth week, and um, we've looked at um, what it, just what it takes to become a disciple. We know that once we're saved, it takes, it takes nothing to be saved on our part. Jesus did all the work. Salvation is by grace, uh, uh, by faith through grace, uh, and, and we, we know it's nothing that we can do. But once we're saved, God has a command for us, and Jesus gave it to us in the, um, uh, in the book of uh, Matthew and several places in the gospel, to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Paul also says in, in the book of Colossians, Pretty much the same thing. He doesn't use necessarily the same words, but, but that we are to teach. We're to take what we know and then teach uh, others. And in, in a question that we've, we've asked each week is this, if we as Christians don't share our faith, then who will? So if we don't share the gospel, who's going to? The moment that you were saved, if that's all that God was after, then he would take you home. Right? He, his desires for you to be reconciled back to him. Mankind sinned, and now there has to be a payment for that sin. God created mankind to worship him forever. Sin separated us from that, and now that a person, once a person is reconciled back to God or redeemed, then, then God's desire then should be fulfilled. Us Send us, come home, and we'll be with him forever. Why would God then leave us here on this earth? The, the reality is this. He left us here on this earth so that we could be his representatives or his spokesmen for heaven, so that we could share the gospel message to a lost and dying world. That's our responsibility. And so we see that in the command. And then our focus, how do we, how do we accomplish that? Matthew 6.33, what's, what's Matthew 6.33? Anybody remember? But seek ye... First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Our focus has to be on heavenly things. And we mentioned this, it's, it's, it shouldn't be sufficient enough to be citizens of heaven. We should strive to be representatives of heaven as well. And then we saw last week, we saw, we saw the command, the focus, and then last week we looked at the commitment. There takes a commitment. Jesus said that to pick up our, our cross and, and follow him and follow him. Uh, daily. This is a commitment. It's not easy living out our faith, but God's desire is for us to live out our faith. That means this, in every situation we're in in our life, we're to live out our faith, what we believe. Others are to see Christ in everything that we do as a neighbor, as a coworker, as a church member, as a friend, as a family member. Every relationship we have Others ought to see Christ lived out in us. And then this week we're going to look at, we're going to be throughout the, throughout the Scripture, John 15. If you'll go there, keep your place there in John 15. Keep some bookmark there or a gum wrapper, your spouse's finger. Do something, though. Keep, keep that open. We're going to be back and forth in that passage of Scripture in John 15. And discipleship carries us to the next level after salvation. 
God desires, he's not willing that any should perish, all to come to repentance. So God's desire, his goal, is for every single one of us to be saved. But then there's the sanctification process. God desires, once we are saved, that we become disciples and become disciple makers. So we must learn how to walk with Christ, and then we teach others. And that would be this, and let me just break this down and help us understand this. Everything that you know about the Christian walk, you ought to be teaching it to someone else. It it isn't, well, once I arrive, once I get to a certain place, then I can begin to disciple. No, you should be teaching at every single level. Because the reality is none of us ever arrive. And so whatever you are learning day by day, month by month, year by year, you should be taking that, teaching that to somebody so that you're discipling them, teaching them what you've been taught. There's need, there needs to be a, a deepening of relationships with Jesus Christ. In order for us to be a greater discipler, we have to have a deeper relationship with Christ. We should have... He should, Christ should have the say-so on the front end of every decision in our life. On the front end. That means he makes the decision. A true follower of Christ allows Christ to make that decision in every decision of our life. In the front end, that decision. In relationships become the key. I want you to see something. Keep your, keep your place in John 15. We're going to be there throughout this evening. I want you to see something in the book of Genesis Genesis, go to Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one. You would find this all through the first chapter of the book of Genesis, you find God. And, and, and we won't take the time to go through every one, every verse, but, but just look at in the beginning, God, right? In verse number one. In, in, um, in verse number three, and God. Verse number four, and God. In verse number five, and God. Verse number six, and God. Verse number seven, and God. Verse number eight, and God. Are you with me? You see that all the way through? What you would find all through this first chapter as God was creating, everything was God. That word God is Elohim. That's the God, that's what word you see there. This is God. This is the creator. He is Elohim. All through the first chapter, just keep going through every verse, and God, and God, and God, and God, and God. And then I want you to see when God creates mankind, when he created man, I want you to see in, in verse number, chapter number two. In verse number, verse number two, in God, in verse number three, in God. And then when we find in verse number, eight, uh, verse number seven, in the Lord God, the Lord God did what? He, he formed man of the dust of the ground. In verse number eight, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward. In the Lord God, you keep finding now in chapter number two, we go from God to the Lord God in verse number 15, and the Lord God in verse number 16, and the Lord God in, in, in verse number 18, and the Lord God said, and he's speaking to man. This, this is still God, but this is Yahweh. This is this is a, his relational name. His relationship now with mankind is Lord God. I want you to see something in chapter number three. Now, in verse number one, now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made, his relational name. 
And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God. He cuts off of that Lord God. We find all through chapter number two, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. And then Satan takes away that Lord God. You know, what he does is he drops the Lord because Satan is fine with religion as long as there's no relationship. Satan doesn't mind religion. But what Satan doesn't want is a relationship with God. God, the creator, he is, he is Elohim. He created all things. God, the one that dwells with man or relationship with man, Yahweh is his relational name. Satan distracts man, takes that away because he doesn't care about religion, but he does care about relationships. Satan desires that we not, he, would, he doesn't mind you worshiping. He just doesn't want you in a relationship. Christ, though, look with me in John 15. I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to see something, what God desires. Look with me in John 15. This is what God desires for man. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Verse number three, now ye are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Look what he says in verse number four. Abide. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye what? Abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much, uh, much fruit, for without me, Ye can do nothing. That, that verse, verse number five, is a pivotal verse in this chapter. What, what Jesus is saying is this. God's desire for us is to abide in him. It's relational. Abide. Matter of fact, the same bringeth forth fruit, though, though same what? The one that abides in him. But he says in verse number five, for without me ye can do nothing. Without abiding in him, we're powerless. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withereth. And man gathereth them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. And he goes back in verse number seven. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Listen, he said this. God is glorified when you bear fruit. But you can't bear fruit, look at verse number five, without me, ye can do nothing. It's impossible to bear fruit as a believer without abiding in him. You see, we, we, look, at, we look at the command and we look at the focus and we look at the commitment. I want today, I want you tonight, we're going to look at the relationship. How, how do we do this? We can only disciple by abiding in him, a relationship in him. The only way for Christ, God the Father to be glorified is that we bear fruit. And the only way for us to bear fruit is that we abide in him. Listen, verse number nine, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you. How do we, how do we remain joyful? Listen, it takes commitment. How do we remain joyful in seasons of hurt or seasons of pain? How do we remain joyful? Because remember, we're supposed to carry our cross. And what the world sees is as we're carrying that cross, they see Christ in us. My daughter, I'm, I'm uh, doing a little bit of work in my backyard. And um, my dogs, they just, they tear everything up. So my girls were helping me a little bit. And, and um Chloe wants to help, and Chloe was just messing some things up. She was kind of worse than the, pu- the puppy was messing things up. And so I found myself getting a little, a little frustrated. Has anybody ever been frustrated with their kids? Has anybody ever been more than frustrated with their kids? I was probably there. And um, I stopped myself. And I remembered a conversation that my daughter had. She came into the house the other day and she said, um, Mrs. Chloe, she said to my wife, the neighbors, um, she's uh, mentioned her name. She said, she's in her room crying. And my, Michelle's like, what? Yeah, she's up in, her, in their bedroom crying. This is the mom. And um, my, my wife's like, well, how do you know that? Well, or, or why? And she said, well, because um, she couldn't get the lawnmower started. And she asked and mentioned the husband's name, asked him to come out, and he wouldn't help. And they got into a fight. And, and she's up in the room crying now. And I said, well, how do you, how do you know all this? Because I heard. Heard the whole thing. And I remembered that conversation. Then as I'm getting a little bit perturbed, perturbed is probably a better word than frustrated thinking to myself, every neighbor can hear what's happening. You know what neighbors need to hear? A Christian home. In one instance that has nothing to do about eternity, you can hurt your testimony. You can ruin your testimony. You you, you can, everything you've lived for, everything you've said, everything you've told your neighbor, you can lose how do I, how do I, how do I not lose that? And that's what this evening is about, is about the relationship with Christ, abiding in him. How do I, how do I maintain my composure? How do I maintain these things have I spoken unto you, in verse number 11, that my joy might remain in you. And look what it says, that your joy might be full. Now listen to this. I heard this statement one time. What's in you comes out when you get squeezed. You ever heard that? What's in you comes out when you get squeezed. Jesus said here that your joy may be full. All of us are going to get squeezed. Every one of us. Something in life is going to squeeze you. What you're abiding in and who you're abiding is is going to determine what's, what comes out when you do get squeezed. 
This is my commandment. Look at verse number 12. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I commanded you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not whither his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whosoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Look again, verse number 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you. This is what Jesus is saying, ordained you, that ye should go forth, that, that, that ye should go and bring forth fruit. Every single one of us is ordained as a child of God to bring forth fruit. We can't bring forth fruit unless we abide in him. We abide in him. If we don't abide in him, there's, there, we, we can accomplish nothing, he says in verse number five. All right, Jesus desires that his followers be fruitful and productive. How many of you would argue with that? Anybody tonight say, no, I don't agree with that statement. Jesus would desire that you and I be fruitful and productive. All right? And so there's characteristics. I was, I was going through, um, I had to pick a couple things up today, and I was in Kroger, and, and I'm trying to eat well, and I thought to myself I could either... I could go through the bakery section and I could get a donut. I could stop and get some tacos. I was I, I could I could I could go, I could have gone to Paco's, right? Tom and Artie, I could have gone there. But I thought this the best choice would be to go through the produce section. And so I went through the produce and I'm I touched every single pear and every apple, anything. So that's why you want to wash your hands or wash your fruit before you eat it, because Guys like me go through and we touch them all. And I found this soft pear. And I picked that pear up and I was, uh, uh, took a, one of those, those um, um, cloths that you're supposed to wipe the cards off with on the way out. I picked one up and I wiped my pear off. Yeah, I think that cleaned it off. Tasted a little bit funny, but I knew the skin was clean. And so I'm walking through, I'm walking through the parking lot and I'm telling you, I was loving this thing. It was ripe, it was delicious. Someone honked their horn, and I threw it in the air, and I, I dropped like half the pear on the ground. I thought, man, that was a good pear. It was a great pear. That and a dyed A&W was a perfect lunch today. And there's some things about pears. When I was going through and finding a pear, you know what I just thought of? That pear came off a pear tree, right? I want you to, I want you to think about these characteristics as we dig into this. Fruit always bears the character of the tree it's about. Fruit always bears the character of the tree that it's about or the tree that it's from. Always does. That pear that was so delicious. It's not like it was on an apple tree or an a, a orange tree and it just so happened that there was a pear hanging off of that orange tree. No, that tree that it came off of all had pears. You'll never go up to a tree and say, how did that pear get on that apple tree? Or how did that pear get on that orange tree? It doesn't work that way. A fruit always bears the character of the tree that it's from. 
And when we're under the rule of Jesus Christ, we become more like him in our attitude, in our actions, in our character, in our conduct. Listen, in order for us, when we get squeezed, in order for us to bear fruit, we've got to be connected to what? The vine, abiding in him. You can't fake it. Now, when everything's good, you can fake being a good Christian, a disciple. But we're not supposed to just, when it's easy, be a disciple. You know what, when, 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 when God is glorified? When we get pressed and who we're abiding in comes out of us. That's what every Christian ought to be after. Don't miss this tonight, please. Because any of us, any of us can be good Christians when it's convenient. Listen, when my kids always obey, when they do what they're told the first time, when, when, I, when, when they never have to be told what to do, and when, when they clean up all their messes, when they get straight A's in school, when, 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 when they never ask me for anything, when, when they never have a need, when they never grow, it's fun to never have to buy new clothes, when they never mess anything up, when they always eat, eat their vegetables and never ask for candy, when, when they never have to be told to clean your, 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 your plate up, and I mean, when they go to the sink and, and wash their plate off, put it in the dishwasher, hit on, wait there till it, till it uh, stops and puts the dishes away, and, be, and while it's running, they're, they're cleaning all their laundry and doing everything and cleaning the restroom. When they, when they behave like that, it's easy to be dad. It's not always easy to be dad when they don't behave like that. But when do I bring the most glory to God? When it's not easy to behave like a Christian, but I do. I can't be that in my own strength, though. It's impossible. We're going to get pressed. We're going to, we're going to go through battles. We're going to go through opposition. We're, we've got an enemy, Satan, that, that doesn't care about religion. He just doesn't want you to have a relationship he, he, he doesn't want your marriage to thrive. He doesn't want your walk to thrive. And he doesn't want you to be obedient and bear fruit in your life. Like, if you just want to be saved and be in the closet about it, that's great. But Satan doesn't want you because he knows you're going to get pressed. He knows you're going to go through trials. He knows you're going to carry burdens. And what he doesn't want you to do is behave Christ-like in those times. Because when you do, you're going to produce fruit if you're abiding in him. And so, but when we're under the rule of Christ, when we're abiding in him, what happens is this, we are becoming more like him in our attitudes, in our actions, in our character, in our conduct. Are you becoming more like Christ in all four of those areas in your life? The only way for you to do that is you must abide in him. In John 15, verses three and four, that change comes that change comes when there's an intimacy with Christ. Verses 3 and 4. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the same branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. The other day Michelle and I were, were in conversation and she totally changed, totally changed the conversation. And, uh, I mean, nothing, nothing to do. And she stopped about halfway through, so she didn't, didn't reveal to me what she was talking about. But I think, I think it was, I think what it was, uh, she got these old Navy dollars, and so she was saying something about, is that what it was, Michelle? 
Something about, you have no idea where I'm going with this? Something about having to spend those or something of that sort. But out of the blue, she changed the topic, and, and I said to her, I said, you need to, you need to uh, use those old Navy dollars, don't you? And she said to me, how in the world did you know that? I mean, she didn't mention a thing. And I said to her this, because I study you. For 20-some years, I know you. I know how you think. I know how you feel. You want to know why? Because of an intimate relationship that we have. I, on purpose, try to figure her out. And she was just shocked. She said, I cannot believe. How did you know this? And I said, because I'm your husband. You see, Christ is desiring an intimate relationship with us. And the closer we get with him, the more we abide with him, the more we become like him. The more we speak like him, the more we behave like him. The more when we go through life, people say, that's just like Christ. Number, number two, uh, number one, fruit always bears the character of the tree. Number two, fruit is visible. Fruit's visible. visible. When's the last time you walked up to an orange tree or a cherry bush or whatever, and you picked off an invisible fruit and you tasted it? Boy, this thing was so good. When you walk up to a tree, you see the fruit. How many of you ever seen a fruit tree before? You saw fruit on the tree. Has anybody ever go, gone, said to you, you got to go, that tree, the fruit is delicious, and you walk up, and you're like, I don't see it. It's right there. It's just invisible. Go ahead, grab a piece. No, fruit, fruit is visible. Followers are, are seen as identifying with Jesus Christ. Don't, don't, don't miss that. Fruit is visible. That means this. If you're going to bear fruit, you're going to, it's going to be seen. Number three, fruit, fruit always benefits someone else. That half of, half of a pear I had today, it benefited me. It was good. Jesus, Jesus wants others to spiritually benefit from your life. Again, don't, don't miss these statements, please. Jesus desires that others spiritually benefit from your life. That's bearing fruit. You live your life in such a way where you're abiding in Christ. And you know what? Somebody else, somebody else benefits from that. That's disciple-making. What you get from abiding in Christ, you now have something to give to somebody so they know Christ. So they're introduced to Christ. So they have the relationship with Christ that you have. You see, it always benefits. Jesus wants others to spiritually benefit from your life. Matthew chapter number 28 and verse number 18. Go there with me quickly, if you would, please. Matthew 28, I want to prove that point to you. Jesus wants others to benefit spiritually from your life. Matthew 28. Would you look at verse number 18? And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Who's benefiting 
from their relationship with Christ. Dead. A lost world. Those that don't know Christ. You see, by us being obedient, the only way that we can do this is abiding in Christ. So by us, in our relationship with Christ and abiding in him, we can be obedient to his command. His desire is that through us, others know him. Because you are a disciple, you are making disciples. Disciples make disciples. Those that abide in Christ can teach others how to abide in Christ. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, please. Hebrews, stay in, stay in John. Hebrews chapter number five. Don't lose your spot in John. Paul says in verse number 11, Hebrews 5, 11, he says this, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Uh-oh, this doesn't sound very good. Paul's frustrated. Paul's frustrated that they've not grown. Paul says, for, when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Be strong, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who are by reason of us have the sense, senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Paul is frustrated that the believers here, they're immature in their walk with God. This has nothing to do with they haven't been saved long enough. See, sometimes we get it confused. We think, well, the longer we're saved, the more, the more meat we shall be able to handle. This has nothing to do with that. What Paul is saying is this, you should be handling meat, but you're not. You're not because you're not, you're taking the information, but there's no application. Yeah, you're saved and you say you're a Christian, but every time you get put in a place to prove that you're abiding in Christ, you don't. You allow your emotions to control you. You allow your flesh to control you, but you're not letting Christ control you. And Paul says this is frustrating. The, the reason why they're drinking milk is because they can't digest meat. This isn't because they are young and only saved for a short period of time. If that was the case, he wouldn't get aggravated. You would never say to a baby, I can't believe, I cannot believe that you can't eat that piece of meat. You're six months old now. See, this has no, no bearing on the amount of time somebody is saved. This has every bearing on the fact that these Christians should be handling meat. Little Simon came into the office today, and, and um, I introduced him to a chocolate bar. And, and, and Sarah was like, what? What are you doing? I said, it's, it's a piece of chocolate. And she said, what are you doing? I said, he's got teeth. He'll be fine. Come on. I've, I've, um, there's times I would like try to give my kids peanut butter. I guess you're not supposed to give them peanut butter up to a certain age or something. And Michelle would be like, you can't do that. They're babes. You can't do that. Well, you can cut it up as small as you want. You can cut up a piece of meat. 
as small as you want and try to give it to a baby, their body can't digest it. You'll hurt them. This has nothing to do with the fact that they are only babes and so they are still trying to understand. No, this is the fact that their body can digest it, but they're not, they're not abiding in Christ. They're not living like they should. They're not letting, letting Christ dwell in them. And so what's happening is when they're behaving, they're behaving like they still have to have milk. And what Paul is saying is you have information, but you lack application. You have it all up here, but when you get pressed, it doesn't come out. You lack discernment in spiritual matters, is what Paul's saying here in Hebrews 5. In your spiritual ability to take the information and utilize it in the decisions of life turns you into a meat-eating Christian. Let me say that again. Your spiritual ability to take the information and utilize it in the decisions of life That's what turns you into a meat-eating Christian. Paul's not even speaking of doctrine here. Well, I, I just get choked on that doctrine. No, what he's talking about is you as Christians, you're not living like you're abiding in Christ. And so every chance you get to show that Christ is living in you and, and, and he's, 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 you're abiding in him and you're drawing strength from him. Every time you get that opportunity to show the spiritual, uh, uh, your, your spiritual walk with the Lord, what you show is your lack of spiritual walk with the Lord. And Paul said it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Look with me in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to point this out again. Paul is writing the church at Corinth. We'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Why is this so important? Why why are we looking at what Paul says in Hebrews and what he says in 1 Corinthians? I'll tell you why. Because we're called, ordained to be disciples. And if we're not abiding, if it's not in us, then we can't give it. Some, some don't give it because of the commitment it costs. Others don't give it because they don't have the relationship that they need to have in order to disciple. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, Paul says this in verse, number, in verse number 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. What he was saying, I can't have a spiritual conversation with you. Because when we do, it turns carnal. It turns about you. It turns about flesh. It's about your emotion, even unto babes in Christ. He says this, I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now ye are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? You know what Paul is saying? Now listen, this is, five year, this is about five years from the time that Paul was there at Corinth and this church was began in the writing of this letter here that we're receiving is about five years. You know what Paul is saying? You should have been spiritually mature past this. You've, you've been saved. You've been walking with the Lord for these, from about uh, um, AD 50 to about AD 55 or so when this letter is written. And, and he's frustrated with them. What he's saying is this, I can't even have a spiritual conversation with you. It, it, it turns back into strife. It turns back into envy. It turns back into causing divisions. 
We've got to grow spiritually so that we can disciple others. You can't disciple someone if you're not growing spiritually yourself. You can only feed them what you're able to get. The desire here is that all Christians be able to handle the meat. And Paul is is challenging them. And Jesus is saying, well, this is how it happens. You don't get spiritual on your own. You can sit in church all your life and not handle meat. It doesn't come by going to church. It doesn't come by any other way other than abiding in Christ. A relationship with Him. Michelle and I are celebrating our 20th anniversary this month. 20 years being married doesn't give us a happy marriage. 20 years of being married doesn't make us closer. You know how we are closer now than we were 20 years ago? By abiding in intimate relationship with each other. Time doesn't just cause you to have a greater relationship. I've talked to people, they've been married for 30 years, and they've said, well, we've grown apart. Well, if time is all you need to have a better relationship, then every one of us would be growing in a relationship just because we're getting older. But that doesn't grow. Abiding in Christ is what we need, an intimate relationship with him. Length of your salvation doesn't determine your progress. Your relationship in Christ does. You abiding in him does. Again, why are you hitting this then? I'm hitting this is because we've got to disciple and you can't disciple if we're still drinking milk. If there's envying and strife and in life, when I get pressed, it becomes about me. You don't have anything to give. Because when we disciple, we're not giving our knowledge. We're not giving our wisdom. It it, it does no good for anyone uh, to to model and, 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 and live a life compared to Jeremy Rand's or you. The life that I'm supposed to give, the life that I'm supposed to share, the life that I'm supposed to show you is not my life. It's Christ in me. It's pointing you to Christ. If you, if, you, uh, if you said, boy, if I could just be a husband like so-and-so, you failed. If I could just be a wife like so-and-so, if I could just be a good Christian like so-and-so, if, 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 if I could just get everyone to, to be like me, that's not the model. The model is to show people Christ, and the only way to do that is me abiding in him You've got to see past me and past my failures and past who I am a human being and and, and reveal Christ to people. The hope for every person in this room is not being like the person next to you. The hope in everyone in the room here is to be like Christ. And so we've got to get that fixed. And Paul deals with the Hebrews. Paul deals with it with with the Corinthian church. Why is that such a major thing with Paul? Because Paul knows the whole reason we exist here is to be representatives of heaven. And the only way I can do that is by abiding in him. Hebrews 5, um, 14. Go, Go back there, if you would, please. 
you've got your place there, look with me what he says. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of us have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It's seen in your decision-making discernment. The Christian is seen, who you're abiding is is seen in your decision-making discernment. It's not seen in your flesh. It's not seen in your emotion. There's some smart people in this world. And that's not what Paul is speaking of. He's talking about every single person that's abiding in Christ, that's a disciple of Christ, that should be discipling others. In your decision-making, there is seen discernment. That means this. When you make decisions, you know what people say? That was Christ-like. It was Christ-like. I want my children, when a decision is made, you know what I want them to say? That's Christ-like. I, the longer I'm married, you know what? I, 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 I said this to Michelle seven years ago, eight years ago, whatever it was. When the Lord was really dealing in my heart to become a senior pastor, I said this to my wife. I said, can I pastor you? I said, what does that mean? I wanted to know, at home, when nobody's around, when it's just me and her, can I pastor her? Am I going to say one thing in the pulpit and live one way in front of people and, and then come home and be something different? So when you hear me preaching, are you going to say, I wish, he, <laughs> I wish he lived by that? Teaching tonight on abiding in Christ. You know who the one person that knows if what I'm saying I live? I can fool the church. Can't fool my kids. Can't fool my wife. She knows if I'm abiding in Christ because when I get pressed at home, what comes out? You see, what Paul is looking at is he's asking them what you do in private, who you are, It comes out. You can't hide it. You're commanded to be disciple makers. You're commanded to take the gospel in in all the doctrine, all the principles of God, and everything that God or Jesus taught the disciples, everything we get in his word, we're supposed to take that, and we're supposed to give that in every situation. That means your neighbor. That means your your, your children. That means your spouse. That means your, your boss. That means your employees. Whatever you are, whoever you deal with in life, you are supposed to represent Christ in every area. And you can't do that unless you abide in him. it's, it's, It's good for nothing. Growth comes in a disciple when you consistently learn to look at the spiritual in front of the physical. Now, I'll be the first to admit this is hard. There's there's days, there's weeks, there's months, there's years. Um, It seems like it never stops where constantly information is coming. Anybody else live that kind of life? Like you're always getting information and you have to make a decision. Anybody else live like that? Your work causes you, someone comes to you. 
I remember, I remember I, I've said this before, and this is a true story. I remember when I was in Georgia pastoring, first problem that came, I said, I don't know, let me go ask the pastor. And I remembered the pastor, that's me, it's on the door. That means I gotta make the decision. I liked it better when I used to be able to blame somebody else. But now it stops here. And, 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 and what, what comes out in that decision making, it shows me who I'm abiding in. If all you do is make decisions on the immediate and not the spiritual, you'll cease to grow and bear Christ-like fruit. If all we do is make decisions on the immediate and not the spiritual, you'll cease to grow and bear Christ-like fruit. How does growth occur? Look with me again in John chapter 15. Herein is my Father glorified, in verse 8, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be in my disciples. How does this happen? How many of you want to bear fruit? Both hands, right? If you're a Christian, both hands. I want to bear fruit. If we don't want to bear fruit, what are we doing here? I want to bear fruit. How? Because the Father is only glorified when I bear much fruit, and I want my life to count. How do I do it? Abide, verse number four, abide. You cannot perform the Christian life on your own senses and emotions. You must abide in Christ. Abide in me. See that in verse number four? Abide in the vine, except you abide in the vine, except ye abide in me. Three times he says, except you abide in me, abide in me, abide in the vine, except you abide in the vine. You can't live this Christian life without abiding in him. He says in verse number five, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that what? Abideth in me. He that has an intimate relationship with me. You can be saved. But in order for you to disciple, you've got to continue that relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you have been saved 15 years and longer? How many of you have been saved 20 years and longer? 30 years and longer? Okay, I'm going to stop there. So 30 years, put your hand up. You've been saved 30 years or longer. How many of you that have been saved 30 years and longer still get fed when you read this book? Isn't that amazing? You would think after 30 years, you've got it all. You see, when you abide in Christ, you keep growing. You can't put this book down. You'll never get to the place where I know it all. I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to preach. I know what the Bible says. I know what Jesus says. It's a living book. You, you can read in, 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 in one le, uh, uh, year, you read the Bible through, and then the following year, because you've abided, you're abiding in him, you get something fresh and something new. And I know there's nothing new under the sun. I'm not saying it's a new vision. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you get fed. You grow. Because the closer you get with Christ, the more you grow, the more you learn, the more you understand about this book. It's never ceasing. It never stops. The longer you're saved, the more you can grow. By abiding in him, you cannot perform the Christian life on your own senses, on your own emotions. You have to abide in Christ. No matter how long you've been saved, now how, no matter how old you are, abiding is the key to fruit. 
Fruit is the key to development, and development is the key to discipleship. I continue to abide how I produce fruit. That fruit, it causes me to grow, and, and that development causes me to be able to disciple. Discipleship is what every Christian, every Christian should be often doing and becoming because this is obedience. Listen, the closer you get with Christ, the more you'll want to share because that's what he's commanded us to do. How many of you know people, every time you talk to them, it just seems like it turns to a spiritual conversation. Like they, they don't talk without talking about Christ. Like you can be talking about the ball game and before you're done, it's about Christ. You, you could be talking about whatever, and not, not bad stuff. I'm just talking about life and it always reverts back to Christ. You know why? Because it's in them. Because what you do and who you are in your conduct, in your behavior, in your speech is your fruit. Abide. Abide, abide is uh, the Greek word for abide is meno, M-E-N-O, just like it sounds, meno. You know what that word means? To stay, to hang out, to remain, to loiter. It means to stay, hang out, remain, loiter. Now, I started about two months ago. I started, um, I, I, Michelle's just trying to get me to wither away to nothing. And so she took sugar and all this away from me. And so I loved coffee, but I like coffee half cream, half coffee. No, no, matter of fact, I like coffee all cream and a little shot of espresso. And, and, um, and so I would find, like, the way I like coffee is, is, and I don't even use sugar, I use Splenda, but the way I like coffee is like 300, car, um, uh, what is it, uh, calories in a cup of coffee. And I could drink three or, three or four of those a day. I could do 2,000 calories just in coffee a day. That's, I'm not exaggerating. And Michelle said, you can't do that. You're getting chubby. And... Um, she says, you got to cut back. And so what I started doing is drinking tea. Well, i got a problem with drinking tea. When you get coffee, you can take a sip of it. When you get tea, it's, it's supposed to, what's it called? Steep. I don't want to drink, i got to steep. I want to drink, I want to drink. And so Michelle says, yeah, this, this tea, you've got to steep. And, and, and we got some tea that you have to steep for seven minutes. I said, by the time it's, by the time it's steeped, it's, it's iced tea. It's not hot tea anymore. Who sits tea for seven minutes? And so this is what I do. I take the bags and, and um, you just dip them. If you, the longer you dip, the quicker it steeps. No, it doesn't work that way. She's shaking her head. No, but it looks that way because it gets darker sooner. And so then what I do is I drink, I would take this tea, I'd, I'd steep real quick and I'd throw the tea bags out and I'd drink this tea. And all it was was a little bit of colored water is all it really was. No flavor. And so what Michelle would say is you've got to let it steep. Is that what it's called, steep? Steep, steep, whatever. I've got to let it sit there. And this is what I learned in my two months now of being a coffee connoisseur. The longer you let it steep, the stronger it becomes. Or the longer you let it stay. The longer you let that tea bag 
two tea bags, because it steeps quicker that way, sit in your coffee and hang out, the stronger the tea is. The more you let it hang out, the more you let it loiter in your cup. Or I guess you could say this, the more it abides, the stronger it becomes. The same thing is true with our relationship with Christ. Fruit is beneficial only when it's attached to the vine. It's only beneficial because it's abiding. The stronger you are, it's because of the longer you're abiding. You see, being a disciple isn't quick. It isn't overnight. It isn't this process of, I want it quick, so I'm just going to just keep dipping my tea bag and hopefully, you know, no, it takes abiding, staying with it, staying in God's word, loitering, hanging out, abiding. So we know it's a command. We know it takes focus. We know it comes with a commitment. And fourthly, what we learned is this, it comes with a relationship. You can't give someone something you've not seeped in. You've got to abide. And then when you are who you are, you're the fruit you need to be. See, some of us try to be fruit. You don't, you don't just be fruit. You are what you're abiding in. When you abide in Christ, you know what you'll be? Fruit. You'll produce fruit. But you've got to abide in him. Father, help us, I pray, as we look at this 